Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I send greetings from my producer, Michael Fiore, who's, oh. in, who's in New Jersey. Oh, that's a good I'm I'm from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Have, have you guys met before? No. No, we haven't. We have yeah. not. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just sort of, you know, catching up on how things have been going the last few days, Joe. Oh, well, that sounds depressing. I don't know if you've been <laughs> watching the news. Um, but yeah, no, Florida's just talking. It's, it's, yeah, I, I, I don't go for as far back as the Watts riots, but I was here yeah. for, I was here for the last riots. Yeah, yeah. You it's, know, just... it's, it's, it's not even about riots. It's about how long can you, how, how many times can you watch unarmed people being murdered? on camera before you start to say, well, you know, yeah, there's something wrong here. Right. And, and, and we've been, and, and the thing that's happened out of this, I think is that, uh, you know, it's finally dawned on people that this is not just a problem. If you can keep shoving under the rug every time it happens, yeah. you know, it's, this, this, this finally got to a point where it's just, it's just so impossible to overlook as much yeah. as, as much as everybody wants to just sort of say, well, no, no, it's, it's, we're really all good people and there's just a few bad people. You know, I mean, my, my philosophy is probably wrong, but uh, I think that everybody is a little racist. And I think it's yeah. because of the, uh, it, it's, it's ingrained. It's, it's, a, it's a survival mechanism from, yeah. from the, the ancient days when we were in the caves. Yeah. And the, what we have to spend our lives doing is to overcome that and to say, this is not what I want to be. This is, I know this is wrong. I have these feelings and I have to overcome them. Exactly. And, and those of us who've done it, I think have, are happier for it. Yeah. 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 It's, I, it's fear, really... fear of the other. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. exactly it. Right. I've, I've been working, uh, uh, last week, a week ago today, I was finishing editing because, you know, we do all of our, pitches now over video uh so That's i've been right. taking advantage of the fact and i've been recording myself and then editing it and cutting you know footage and artwork into it and it's actually a much better way to pitch yeah and i've got a project based on um and it's amazing to me i how i understand why this is the case but it's an astonishing thing how few people know this story but um the story of move in philadelphia when the philadelphia police force dropped a bomb on a city block and burn wow. the entire block down wow. uh, in a confrontation with a group of sort of black radicals. And yeah. yeah. Whoop, somebody's going to it. I can't get it. It's in the kitchen. Okay. So, but it's, it's a story I've been obsessed with since it happened because I, I grew up there. I was one block away from them when it happened. And wow. An incredible story. And I spent early part of last week cutting together all this footage from both the 1978 confrontation with the cops that they had a shootout and then the firebombing in 1985. Yeah, literally just finished it and presented it the day before all this kind of exploded. And looking at the footage today and looking at the footage I spent all last week cutting together, I could cut stuff from one to the other. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't know which was which. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's completely crazy. But um, really is. Well, we're, we're looking to talk about happier things for a little, <laughs> for a little while. We're, yeah, uh, yeah. Fun, Disney, fun Disney animation. Um, 
is uh, <laughs> yeah. always a great place to go to escape um, the, uh, the work part time. It's my life. <laughs> this is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. We've had some amazing guests on the show, and I would say we've we've had maybe one other person who might qualify for the word I'm about to use. We had Roger Corman on, ah, uh, yeah. and and it's rare that we have legends. Um, right. And Floyd Norman is uh, uh, an animator um, who's, who spent decades working for Disney and at Pixar. Um, you were the, the first black animator at Disney. So they tell me. Uh, yes, and I mean you have worked with with Walt himself, with with the uh, old man himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, I just you know, so much of your work has just been, uh, you know, I've just, it's in my DNA. I can't help it. I grew up on this stuff. Mine uh, too. Yeah. And and uh, Floyd is the subject of a fantastic documentary called uh, Floyd Norman and Animated Life. You can see it on um, it's on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, directed by Michael Fiore and Eric Sharkey. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely, lovely film, a lovely portrait of a. Um, sorry to say this to your face, uh, a fascinating, <laughs> wonderful person. Um, well worth your time to check out, uh, either before you listen to us talk or after. But before you, uh, <laughs> I thought I thought of, I thought making a documentary about my my life was a bad idea because there's there's no conflict or ter- turmoil. <laughs> and and, uh, and my my life has been way too happy to be a documentary. <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> I had a chance. I had a chance to do all the stuff I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Hollywood and make movies. You know how many people you know realize their dreams? And so, like for me, it's just it's just been a ball. It's just been a wild ride doing all the things I wanted to do since I was a kid, you know? And so it, it, it's not a life of degradation and misery and addiction and poverty. It's none of that stuff. It's just a, a, a kid from Santa Barbara, you know, having fun, making movies. Making now, usually, usually the arc for you is that you want to do these things and then you become successful and yeah. then you get lots of money. And yeah, you don't know yeah. what to do with it. And so you go wrong and you, you spend all, all the, the, the arcs of all the biopics. Yeah, uh, yeah, really yeah. interesting to watch the people when they're on their way up because it's exciting and they get the things they want. And then when they get to the top, then they become drug addicts or drunks or, or <laughs> evil or whatever. Yeah. And then it's yeah. and then the, the second halves are always depressing. You know? Well, yeah, I, Floyd, right. Floyd still has plenty of time to go down that. That's road. true. It's not too late. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm an old codger. You know, it, believe you me, I am old because this June. And it's just June one. I turned eighty-five this month, and I cannot wow. believe how friggin' old I am. <laughs> Floyd, it's always it's it's always invigorating to talk to people who are older than me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. So when you when you were a kid uh, and you went to the movies, uh, yeah. and I you saw cartoons and you saw movies and stuff. But I mean, what what did was there a point at which you suddenly said, you know? I, I'd like to do that. I, I I was a kid who just loved movies. I mean, I loved, I mean, what could be better? And keep in mind, this was back in the 40s when we didn't have television. So, you know, 
movies, that was it. That was the entertainment. And so uh, going to the movies uh, on a weekend, there was nothing better than that. I mean, even bad movies were good, you know, because they were movies. And, and we loved everything from the Three Stooges to, to uh, you know, uh, some of the, 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 the grown-up films that I had no idea what was going on. It was just, to me, they were just adults talking and kissing. <laughs> I had I had no idea that the plot line or the narrative. I just knew that it was grown-ups talked a lot, and then they made love, and then they talked some more. But but it was still a movie, <laughs> and I still I still had a darn good time watching everything up on the big screen. So you know, absolutely, yeah. I, I before we jump into that, I did want to ask because I, I um, of course was doing a little looking into you beyond beyond the documentary, and yeah, uh, uh, the one thing it didn't come up in the doc and. Speaking of things that are in my DNA, you worked on the Muhammad Ali Saturday morning cartoon. Yes, I did. Uh, a crazy thing. I shared an office with a fellow artist at Disney. His name was Fred Calvert. And Fred said he wanted to be a, a TV producer. And I said, okay, Fred, you know, that's, that's a, I guess that's a good idea. And if you, if you ever become a TV producer, give me a call. And so lo and behold, one day Fred called me and he said, I'm doing a TV show with Muhammad Ali. And I, said, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. And I said, how convenient, you know? <laughs> so I said, okay, you know, I'm, 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 I'm on board, you know, uh, you know, what could go wrong? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Muhammad Ali going around the planet, uh, having adventures. Having adventures. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I never saw a guy who was more disinterested in the show he was doing. I mean, you know, it, <laughs> it, it seemed like it was, it was an inconvenience for Ali. You know, he I, had, he had to come to recording sessions and he hated those. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess he didn't mind getting paid, but, but he didn't, I, he didn't seem to enjoy the process. I, I can kind of imagine that. He seemed to have sort of more weighty issues on his mind. Yeah, yeah, I think but, he did. Right. But yeah, kind of growing up where I did, it was like there was just, you know, there were a few superheroes in the real world and yeah. he was probably top of the list. So yeah, yeah. He, he was a, kind of a special guy. Yeah. 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 That'd be amazing. Well, um, Floyd, we, we've, uh, it's sort of the hard and fast rule of our show and it's sometimes it's more painful than others. We, we refuse to talk to our guests about their work. That's, we don't care. <laughs> That's fine, you know, and I I love that because I have done so many interviews about yeah, my, my work. I, I am sick of talking about the stuff I've done. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 So now you can talk about the stuff other people have done. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. You can sort of walk through some of the movies that, that kind of inspired you when you were growing yeah, up. And, you bet. You bet. Yeah, just sort of let's, let's launch in. I don't know if you have them in sequence or you just want to kind of. What's what's the first thing you got on your list? Well, I, I did make a list, and I know that any day I would sit down to do a list of my ten top films, it would be different every day. Sure. That's but, true, but, all of us. Yeah, isn't that so? But so for the record, today is uh, June first, twenty twenty, at two twenty four p.m. So this is Floyd's list as of then. Yeah, we'll check in tomorrow and get a different. One. Yeah, get a different list. Okay, well, you know, in, in no particular order, we're going to start with. Yeah, start with the. We're going to start with Vertigo. Oh. Hitchcock, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, naturally. Did you see it, what's um, that? Did you, did you see it uh, in a theater when it came out? Or uh, I was, this was weird. I was in the army when I saw it. I, I had been drafted into the military. And I was able to uh, manage to get off base 
you know, got a car somehow and, and I saw it in a drive-in. I remember watching the film in a drive-in because that was the only way I could see it because I was, you know, I was, uh, I was a, a guest of the United States military. So <laughs> I was in the army. So, you know, th th there you go. <laughs> and, and what was, uh, I mean, what was your reaction to it the first time? What was the... I, I don't know. The film just uh, grabbed me on so many levels. Uh, it, it was... It was dark. It was brooding. It was beautiful. It was it was loving. It was just all I know was when I saw this film, I just could not get it out of my head. And I remember that. And I remember then I went overseas and I was in uh, Japan and, and Korea and I managed to see it over there. You know, it was still it was still shown in English. Mm -hmm. And the film was just as as as, uh, you know, it, it still continued to basically haunt me. I was haunted by this film. And a lot of people did not like this Hitchcock film. They thought it was uh, plodding and dreary and slow. And, you know, they, oh, it's not one of his best. And I just, I couldn't get this film out of my head, you know. And I loved everything about it. The music by, you know, Bernard Herrmann. Mm, yeah. And, and Robert Burke's cinematography and the art direction. It was just, I, I thought, a gorgeous motion picture. Strange and unsatisfying in many ways, because kind of like at the, the at the end, like you know, <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing good happens, you know. Yeah, yeah. But 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 fascinating, and I've watched it dozens of times, and it, I can't get it out of my head. And and my boss at Disney, he's one of the few crazy people who's who's done this same thing I've done. That has made the pilgrimage to every location. Yeah, there's a tour, I think. Yeah, is there yeah. really a Vertigo tour? Yeah. A Vertigo tour, yeah. The, there's a, lot of, a lot of it is still standing. Quite a yeah, bit. yeah. And, and to the mission in San Juan Batista, mm -hmm. uh, outside of uh, you know, San Francisco. And uh, so I found my boss at Disney was just as crazy as I was about, about this bill. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. You're, you're a big fan of that too, Joe, aren't you? Oh, I is that I what, that. Is that yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's all. It always stood out to me as a, as a very different film for him for a lot of reasons. I mean, yeah, yeah, and and you often wondered, you know, how did this film get made? Well, or, there's a lot of a lot of personal obsessions in it. I think. Yeah, Prob probably. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's always been interesting to me because it seems like it's the one film where yeah, all of his sort of what's usually subtext in a Hitchcock film is yeah is the surface on that one, and, and that's yeah. and it's apparently a. Uh, uh, Replace Citizen Kane in the uh, Sight and Sound uh, 100 Best Films. That's right. That's number one. Yeah, yeah. Which which surprised me. I, I I didn't think the film would be recognized. I thought it was only crazy people like me who would regard the film so highly. But I, I no these these movies over as time goes on, our our views change of of yeah. what we think is important and what's not. And yeah, very often what the what the contemporary society thought of them uh, is uh, pretty irrelevant to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what and, was how was that a successful one? Like, like it was not. Know. No, it was not. It was uh, the, yeah. the exhibitors hated it, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and the audience complained, and uh, it, it wasn't considered a, a success at all. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And yet, because I've spent so much time in the Bay Area, uh, because I worked at Pixar. Uh, animation studios up in the Bay Area. Uh, I spent a lot of time in San Francisco, and every time I would go to to the city, uh, I would be, you know, rehaunted by Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, it's true.
Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, it's, it's a gorgeous film. I don't know why it's always sort of, it's one of those movies I, I keep going back to and trying to catch that, that, that feeling that so many of you have for it. Cause it's, yeah. it's visually stunning to me. And I, there's something about it that always pushes me away and I need to, I need to overcome that. I, I think it's a mysterious movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you don't, you can't unwrap it easily. Yeah. It, it's, it's why it stayed with him all these years, you know, yeah. It, 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 yeah. there's, there's just something going on here. That's a little bit above our pay grade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Creepy and beautiful, you know, I love how those, those two things go together, you know? <laughs> yeah. Some, some, some beautiful things can be really, really strange and creepy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely that, and it is. It, it it does have this sort of haunting quality, and it's very. It's just it's so unusual for him in that period, and yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, no, it's a fascinating film. And when I when I first saw it, it was that clump of, what was it? It was Vertigo. Well, it was those uh, those reissues because they'd all been they'd all been they'd all been out of circulation for a while. Yeah, Drew yeah. with Harry and Manu uh, stayed on them, but, but those versions of the picture were uh, unfortunately pretty substandard. I mean, they were made yeah. off really crappy negatives and yeah. it's only, only recently has it been really restored. I mean, if you see an original Technicolor print of it, it's, it's quite, which I saw downtown as part of that yeah. um, last remaining seats uh, thing that they have in, uh, in uh, LA where you go to old movie theaters that are closed and they open them up and you, you see these pictures on these huge screens with oh, yeah. gigantic rows of broken seats. Yeah. Um, but they uh, and and the sound systems, which are so booming, it's so yeah. unlike the ones we have today, it's, yeah. it's, it's just all more, all the more magical. Yeah. Yeah. No, fascinating film. So what else? What you got? Is, yeah, give us another one. Well, you know, the, the next one will not surprise you, but it's Citizen Kane, uh, uh, a, a, a film that fascinated me for many many years because there was no way to see it. So I'd only heard about it and read about it, and I had no way of seeing this film. This was back before DVDs and, and videotape and any of that stuff. It wasn't even being shown on television. And then one night, uh, one late night uh, you know, show, where they would screen old movies, and one Friday night they screened the print of Citizen Kane, film that I'd heard about for years, never seen one frame of film, and here I watched this motion picture for the first time, and I was totally blown away. Could not believe it. Uh, I, you know, and, and again, you know, uh, looking back now, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But for this kid, and I was still in school at the time, I was still a school kid, and, and I saw what Orson Welles had done, and and uh, you know, Greg Tolan, who even shot a movie for us at Disney. Uh, Greg Tolan, who was uh, Welles' cinematographer shot Song of the South for Disney, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, you know, we, we all know the stuff about Wells and Kane and, and, and so, but, but still what a remarkable motion picture. And mm -hmm. again, you know, watching this old, old film that was for me a very new, new film, mm -hmm. uh, it, it really, really grabbed me. And I'll never forget my first viewing of Citizen Kane. And um, I, it's it's uh, it's funny because I, I was I was assuming that was going to come up pretty quickly, especially after after Vertigo. Yeah, there's a uh, yeah, and once again the same composer Bernard Herrmann, yeah. right? Yeah, Bernard. But Herman. there's also there's also a very both of those movies are. Um, I try to say, I mean, there are movies that you can kind of 
close your eyes and listen to and track yeah. along. And, right. but those two are so profoundly visual. Yeah. Um, and I can see, I can see how, uh, they would particularly yeah. uh, tap into what was going on with you, even if you weren't quite there yet consciously. Maybe. Exactly. Uh, when I was a kid, I would go to see movies with my parents and I had no idea what was going on. But but the impact those films made on me, you know, the visual impact, yeah. I noticed that even as a child. I, I didn't know what the heck the adults were talking about. But I had, there was such an emotional resonance from the visuals, you know, you know the, the way shots were, were composed. I didn't know a thing about movie making. All I, all I knew was these films were affecting me on an emotional level. Yeah. And I didn't know what the heck was going on, but there was something going on. And I just never, you know, forgot those those moments in films that I had no understanding of the narrative. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's 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 fantastic. And, and do you ever, I mean, um when you're when you're uh, at work, yeah. do you ever find consciously drawing on those those movies and other ones or is oh. it uh, Yes, yes indeed. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, it's like it's the language of film. Uh, making an animated feature film was a little bit different from, you know, doing it live action, but we're, sure. still, we're still telling stories. We're still using visuals. We're still working with uh, pacing and timing and, and, and all of that that comes out of uh, putting images and, 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 and sounds on screen. And so, you know, you, you, you dig back into your childhood and, and the things that moved you, that touched you as a kid. And you can't help but pull some of those things into something as sweet as a as a Walt Disney movie, you know. Yeah, it's it's yeah. all it's all there, you know. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Uh, well, what's what's next, Floyd? On your how about a film that I watched recently again for the umpteenth time, The Treasure of Sierra Madre? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, because I'm, I'm, you've, you've, you've flummoxed me. I was sort of expecting they'd all, have, not <laughs> a badly directed film at all, but not. I don't think of that when I think of sort of incredibly visual storytelling. That's, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, three guys, three guys looking for looking for treasure. You know, and, and yeah. you know that's always uh, that's always trouble. You know, and and I watched this film again and again. And I know the story, I know what happens, and I, I, you know, I can't stop watching it. And so to me, that's when a film goes into that special category. When I, it's on, I'm walking through the room and, and it's on television, you know, it, it, I don't know. And I just, I have to stop and I can't, I can't stop watching. <laughs> yeah. Where did you see it first? Do you remember? Wow. Uh, probably, once again, it's one of those films that I probably saw when I was a kid, probably saw it on television. Probably a very bad print, but right. but boy, did it make an impression. And so since that time, I've been able to watch the film, you know, a, a beautiful, you know, remastered print probably. But, uh, you know, but but great, great filmmaking is always there. You know, it yeah. it, it remains. I think I, I saw it, heard it first because it was one of those um because sort of back in the day, they would do radio versions of successful movies. Oh, yeah. I remember those and days. They would, they would bring back as much of the original cast as they could. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I, I had a, and I had records when I was a kid of those. And yeah. I, had, I had 
Sierra Madre as a kid. I can't imagine what I got out of that at age 10. That is not. Um, <laughs> well, wasn't that the Lux Radio Theater? That, that was one of the ways that they used to do yeah, it. Yeah, they used to do yeah, adaptations of, uh, of movies, you know. Yeah, but, but they were always shortened because they were like, yeah, oh, yeah. only half an hour now. Right. <laughs> so they do a lot of, a lot of cramming. And what, Joe, what was the deal? Would they do that after the film had been a success? I, they... Usually, sometimes they would do it concurrently, like within a month of the release of the movie. Yeah. But uh, but if it was a popular movie, yeah, uh, it could take a couple of months. Uh, but it was something they always planned for. And and a lot of times they couldn't get the original people, so they would have, but they would have, they would have people yeah. who were of equal stature, but just weren't in the movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amazing. And and no fear that it was, uh, or I guess the movies have been out long enough that you're sort of ruining the, the picture. But I guess I, I guess they didn't mind giving away the endings, you know. Yeah, yeah I think it only whetted the audience's appetite, you know. I, yeah, it's like a cut down. So, yeah. so who did they get to say? Um, uh, we don't need no stinking matches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Alfonso Badoya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They don't so, need those stinking badges. He wasn't available for the recording, so we have Ronald Reagan. How many times have we heard that line? Well, yes. you know, and and and, and it's uh, it's it's pretty prominent in the Wild Bunch. Uh, the, the the whole the whole damn Gringos thing, uh, and, yeah. and, and and the the way the way it's the way those characters are presented is right out of Sierra Madre. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a fantastic and grim movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. None, none of these. Uh, I don't want you to give anything away. Well, I think we're do any of the movies. He's looking, he's looking for a happy ending. Just because you end well. should do cartoons, he wants a happy ending. Well, also, because he was sitting here earlier talking about how great his life is. I'm like, is this yeah. is this how you make up for that by watching just other people crash and burn? <laughs> well, you know, I think it's just great stories and, and great, great storytelling. I mean, sometimes the story ends beautifully and sometimes the story ends tragically. But boy, isn't that life? Well, that's yeah. what Orson Welles said about happy endings. It depends on where you stop your story. Yeah, that's, that's, that is so very true. Yeah. Depends on, depends on where you call it quits. That's right. Or, or it's knowing when to quit, you know. And, and for a, a lot of films I worked on, it's like, Oh, this film should have ended a lot sooner. <laughs> no, that's, that's more true of recent movies, I think. Yeah, yes, that's true. Yeah. Oh dear. So, what's the next one? How about the yeah. How about this one? Might be a surprise. The Third Man. No, it's a good... he, keeps, he keeps doing it. Girl, <laughs> it's all right, it's again, and not a happy ending. Not a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I was just reading a, 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 a note on the internet that someone had written about the movie, and they said it was really interesting how the Joseph Cotton character, who is the ostensible hero of the movie, yeah. uh, ends up being a sort of a supporting character yeah. uh, to this to the city yeah. and to the and to the off-screen Orson Welles, right? Uh, and and is is constantly manipulated by all the other characters. Yeah, yeah. It never occurred to me, but it's it's a it's a remarkable movie because it's it, it I, I'm sure it must have. I mean, extremely resonant when it was new and all of those ruins were real ruins. Mm -hmm. um, very, very but I, when I went to uh, Vienna, I did make sure that I went to the um, still standing um, uh, Ferris wheel. Yeah. That is, yeah. That is actually still there uh, yeah. and, and in the same place. And um, 
Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of that dialogue uh, that Wells says in the movie is, you know, he, 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 wrote, he wrote it, you know, he yeah. just said, well, I'll, 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 do, I'll do this, the whole yeah. cuckoo clock yeah. story and all that, you know. Right. But, um, I mean, he's, he's a great character because he's, he's so charming and he's so villainous. Yeah. He's just, he's yeah. just a horrible person. Exactly. And, and yet he gets by on his innate charm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love, I love a charming villain. Uh, one of the... Yeah opportunities i had when working on disney's uh the jungle book we had shere khan who was a cunning charming villain and i said we need george sanders for this role no yes. nobody nobody but george there was nobody else george sanders had to be shere khan and he was great yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh that's perfect so wait so that was you that wasn't just me i was i was but that was I was among the people who wanted him, and so, Fantastic. and we were right. <laughs> no, a thousand percent, a yeah. billion percent. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so as 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 somebody who worked on some of these movies that were when they were original, how do you feel when you see them being CGI'd and remade and um, sort of picked over to to modernize them? Yeah, some people, you know, really complain bitterly about about this and others, you know, and in my case, uh, and I had the opportunity to speak to John Favreau, who had done a, uh, his, uh, what would you call it, reboot of The Jungle Book. And I told John, I was very pleased with what he had done. I, I, had, I had no complaints whatsoever. You know, I was happy to see this uh, new iteration of a film we made back in the 1960s. So to tell the same story again with new technology, uh, with a new point of view, you know, was, was just fine with me. And I, I had no complaints whatsoever. And I wanted Mr. Favreau to know that, that I thought he had done a remarkable job as, as a director bringing this, bringing this film uh, to the screen once again, you know. So, you know, it's, I, 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 I'm okay with it. No problem. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I actually I like Jungle Book. I was um, that that one. I was pleasantly surprised. I the, the the Lion King thing that they just did seemed it was something. Odd. It wasn't. Even, I don't mind. I'm not offended that these things are being remade, but yeah. it just seems so odd to do it with yeah. photorealistic animals. That <laughs> well, it's just so hard to get a photorealistic animal to do the kind of expressions that an animal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And and the way I look at it, okay, they tried. They were not quite as successful, but they gave it a shot, and 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 I'm okay with that. I don't think they did anything sacrilegious by daring to make the Lion King again. I just didn't feel that it worked as well. But that's just my opinion. But I I don't have anybody. I I, I, don't, I don't criticize a filmmaker for giving it a try. You know, you sure you want to take a shot. And look, the, the, the originals are still out there. That's that's sort of my bottom line. Exactly. As long as I can go back to the one I love, I'm do do whatever you're going to do. I think. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 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 Uh, well, what's what's next? Okay, a real surprise this time. Uh, I keep saying that. <laughs> a film by Walt Disney. Pinocchio. Oh. Pinocchio. Oh, see, oh. finally, a movie with a happy ending. Yeah. Who would have? Who would have <laughs> thought? Yeah. <laughs> But, oh, but there's I, something very, you know, Walt Disney made many, many films during his career, but this particular film just, uh, you know, knocked my socks off. And I saw it as a child and I saw it as a teenager. And even as a cynical teenager, the film was still beautiful. I mean, it's still yeah. just a great story. 
there are all these reasons why this film shouldn't work. You know, it's just this strange mashup of humans and animals and magic, and all this weird stuff. Pleasure Island and this, you know, all of these villains and bad stuff that happens to a kid. I mean, I was a kid, so I really identified with Pinocchio when I was a kid. Sure. And going through all this stuff and 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 the 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 horror of these boys being turned into donkeys totally freaked us out as children. I mean, you know, and the fact that Walt was smart enough to have that transformation in shadow. You see the silhouette of the shadow on the walls of the hands morphing into hooves. You know, that was stuff of sheer horror. And, yeah. and Walt Disney, the guy who made films for children, totally traumatized us as, as children, freaked us out, scared the hell out of us. But, but, but a Disney masterpiece. Yeah, it's. I, I think that's probably you probably put your finger on why it's it's my favorite of of the first sort of batch of Disney films. Yeah, um, yeah, because it was dark and it was scary and yeah, and, uh, it was everything. You know, uh, it had songs, it had fun, it had humor, it had darkness, it, it had terror, and yet it all wraps up with uh, yeah, you know, family reunited at the end when you when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. And it's so beautifully made. Uh, it's uh, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah, Snow White and all is is wonderful, and yeah. you know, it, Dumbo is wonderful. But but there's just a, there's a level of artistry, yeah, in this picture that I think I I, I don't know has, was ever equaled. I don't think so. It, it was Disney uh, at 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 his best. Uh, the artist had reached the pinnacle of 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 you know of animation mastery. It mm -hmm. is a it is truly a gorgeous film. And we've never even come close, I think. And and we've, yeah. made, and we've made some darn good films, but yes, but we've we've, we've never come close to Pinocchio, because Pinocchio was, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Was that a function too of of kind of budgetary freedom? And I feel like they just there were no limitations on. Well, you know, he was always in danger of going out of business. I mean, right. his brother was well, constantly saying, yeah. "Don't spend all this money." You're, giving, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he mortgaged the whole place to do to, just to, to do an animated cartoon feature of, of Snow White, which everybody said was going to be a disaster. You know, yeah. I mean, he he really was a, 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 not just a pioneer, but I mean, he was he was a gambler, and he yeah. he gambled right, obviously. Um, yeah. It's 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 similar to um, you know the I Love Lucy show being shot on uh, on film right? because yeah. you said let's let's do it on film instead of uh, instead of live and that yeah. and it changed the entire face of television. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's right. Yeah. As a, as a kid, for some reason, because my folks were not in the business in any way, and um, I guess because my my mother's grandmother at one point had owned an art gallery. Maybe I don't know how, but I, I uh, my entire childhood I had a little. Um, we had an original frame uh, from Pinocchio, and it was Cleo, the fish in her oh, bowl. Yeah. And I was just fascinated just as a kid by the fact that it wasn't just a drawing. It was yeah, cell of the character in the background and in the foreground of the thing. And it, it's sort of my, my entree into the realization of how much, you know, my, I think my sense of, of animation was like, you draw a picture, then you draw another one. Yeah. And then you see <laughs> they did Pinocchio, and you go, oh, my God. Yeah. So much work. I tell I tell people what we do is insane, and that is we make a movie by hand. Yeah, <laughs> can you think of anything crazier than that? We're yeah. we're gonna just draw and paint every frame of this motion picture. 
you must be out of your mind. But, we, but then just simple things like, like the, you know, there's an opening shot. It's been a long time of, of you know, the village yeah. and the camera sort of, and the painting is done in a way that the painting shifts perspective as you just move down the painting. Well, it's yeah. a multi, multi-plane camera, which was one of his it, innovations, you know. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they were always yeah. testing. And that was the great thing about doing the shorts was that they were able to test out all of these techniques. Yeah. Uh, the old mill is a, a short that's not particularly funny. It's a just, it's very, it's a, it's a very pretty short, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a clearinghouse for all of the attempts at let's do something different. Let's try right. a new way of doing yeah. it. Let's do it. I find a new way to do water, a new way to do leaves dropping. Yeah. Uh, and, and if, if it works great, you know, but if it doesn't, it's a short, I mean, we could still yeah. put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Walt was That's true. enough. Yeah, he used the Silly Symphonies to test his new technologies, and if and if they work, then he could move those over into his next feature film. Right. So he was always pioneering. And was that because there was a shot I was obsessed with too? Is it Pinocchio is lying in a puddle in a scene, and that one always boggled my mind because the water is translucent and yeah. it's rippling, and I, I just. I, I, yeah, it's amazing. How did they do that? Yeah. <laughs> How do you draw that? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's such an amazing. It's a lot of great artwork, and a lot of stuff was done in camera. You know, we didn't have yeah. we didn't have digital technology uh, in those days, so everything that was done the the visual effects that had to be done optically, mm -hmm. either yeah. either done in the camera or in the uh, using the optical printer uh, to work with multi layers of of artwork. It, it was an amazing technique, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's find the, the most difficult way to make a motion picture and let's do that. You know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, fantastic. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad there was at least one Disney film on this list. So, and and a film with a happy ending. Yes, right? that's right. Yeah, we, we all, yeah, your dreams come true. You know, if you that's right <laughs> when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. Exactly, exactly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, let's move to another dream. How about Casablanca? Uh, You're uh, hitting all the high points today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and by the way, so far, even even Vertigo, which, as I say, I'm not. I, I it, it is never connected with me. It, elu it eludes you. Yeah. It eludes me. Yeah, I would never. Yeah. I actually, I, there's some movies I'll go. That's just a terrible film. But I, I know the problem with Vertigo is me. Every film you have mentioned today, I could just very easily. As soon as we're done, just start watching right yeah. now. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, Casablanca. That's what's great about these films. Yeah, they. they now, yeah. did you see uh, Casablanca when it was new? Uh, no, I did not, because that would have been oh gosh, uh, 1942. 42. Wow. No, I was just a kid. Uh, my mom, I, I would have had to gone to the movies with my mom and dad. Uh, they probably saw it, but. Uh, they didn't take me. I missed a lot of movies because I couldn't, you know, go to the uh, evening performances. Kids only went to matinees in those days. So mm -hmm. it was rare that we saw what we would call a grown-up film. 
And if we saw one, it's only because mom and dad took us to to uh, an evening performance. And that was a big deal to go to a movie at night because that's what grownups did. Sure. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so so it was many years later that I saw Casablanca. Good heavens, you know, probably decades later. And then to suddenly realize, hey, wait a minute, where did this come from? You know, where did this movie come? You know, you thought, well, it's a Bogart movie. You know, and we all knew about Humphrey Bogart. But this was more than just a Humphrey Bogart movie. This was a very special film. And the more I watched it, the more I realized there's something going on here. This is not your usual tough guy, Humphrey Bogart. This, there's something else happening here. And that's why I put uh, Casablanca down as uh, a very special motion picture. Do you, it's a terribly unfair question I keep asking you, and I realize I can't answer this question. Do yeah. you know where you were the first time you saw Casablanca? Yeah, you know, it was probably at a, a revival screening because by that time, when I was older, we began to have these revival houses where you could actually go see a movie like Citizen Kane or Casablanca. Now, what, what town are we talking about? We're talking about, by this time, I was in, I was in L.A. I was in Hollywood. So by the time I saw Casablanca, I was I had already left my hometown of Santa Barbara, and I had moved to to the Los Angeles area. So I probably saw it at at a revival house. We had one on Wilshire Boulevard. Uh, I think it was called the Beverly Cannon. Yep. Yeah. On, oh. On Wilshire. Yeah. And it was a great old revival house, and if, if there were films you wanted to see and you missed when you were a kid. Or you had seen them when you were a kid, and you wanted to, uh, you know, see them again, get a fresh look. Uh, you you could drive down, and I remember everybody who was there, they, you know, was a movie nut because the average person didn't go to a revival screening. You know, that was only for people who truly loved motion pictures. But there were a lot of them because there were quite a few theaters uh, around town that did uh, run yeah. motion pictures. Fox exactly. Venice and the Encore, uh, yeah, yeah, and um, what, what what the silent movie uh, theater, right. on Fairfax. Oh, yeah, over on Fairfax, you bet. Yeah. yeah, I've been there as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What um, I mean, God, is what what can you possibly say about Casablanca that hasn't been said? But I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what 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 is can can you can you put a finger on what what grabbed you about it the first time? Do you think or just because it's such an incredible film. Well, I, I love the characters, you know. It, yeah. Talk about a great cast, you know. I love I love the characters, you know. They're just, you know, they're just fun to watch, you know. Good guys and bad guys and weas yeah. weaselly guys and guys. You, great. Yeah, guys you can't trust, the guys you, you know, I don't know. So it's just, you know, and, and of course, Claude Rains, you know. Good, you know. Yeah. Who sort of falls into every single it one falls of the every category. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm shocked. Yeah. Even, even, I mean, sm smack me if, if I'm wrong. I mean, I felt as a kid and, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that was that was actually predominantly black. So um, I tended to be sort of vaguely more aware of this stuff, I think, than, than a lot of people. But it always, you know, it's not hard to notice how terribly African-Americans are treated in films. Yeah. And it always, even as a kid, it always struck me that Sam, understanding the constraints of the culture and the time and where he was, that that character has actually got a lot more yeah. dimension to him than they would usually give that character. Right. You know, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. He's, he's quite a, a well-rounded character. 
And, yeah. so what, what, what was your general reaction to uh, people like Willie Best and, and uh, you know, people who were Bob Hope's valet type of character? <laughs> uh, and even, even Eddie Anderson, you know, Rochester, Eddie Anderson, who, who, you know. who is a very well, be- very beloved character. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And generally, um, is always in a subservient role. Yeah. And the, 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 the gimmick with him is that Benny always let him get the laughs and, right, and right. would often be at his expense. Exactly. Um, but uh, I, I was always under the impression that people like Willie Best and Minta and Moreland were really talented. They people. were. And they were they were they were obviously being pressed into in this little box that was the only the only place that you could go. Uh, yeah. and, but, but if you saw films that were made for black audiences. Yeah, they were a, a little more well-rounded because exactly. they, they were actually it, it was when I was a kid, there was a Amos and Andy television show. Love and, that show. And yeah. The, the reason that the reason that and Amos and Andy was very controversial because it was two white guys doing doing black guys on the radio. And then right now, and they yeah. finally said, I obviously when they said we we're going to make a TV show out of it, they went, you know, maybe it wouldn't be a good idea to put these two guys <laughs> into, into blackface. Let's get some real actors. So they got this great cast of really. Yeah good actors. And yeah. When I was a kid, I thought that Amos and Andy was one of the best shows on TV. It was. And I was, uh, and later I, I discovered that people didn't want to have it run anymore because it was demeaning and it was, you know, and it was, and it was yet, yet it had the same uh, power yeah. structure as all the white shows and that there yeah. were lawyers yeah. and doctors and, you know, yeah. people of different straight stations and everything and, and guys who had trouble with their wives and you know all yeah. that same kind of stuff and the mystic knights of the sea exactly and to yeah. me it was I a, really, a really humanizing show i mean it, it really was. it really resonated with me and i was really sad that the people involved with the show like spencer williams who was not only a good actor but he was also a director yeah uh, were, were kind of minimized by like oh you know they were on that horrible show that that, that, that we can't talk about anymore now and uh, and uh, th- there was an effort, I think, by the NAACP at one point to, to try to minimize it, to take it off yeah. the air because it was exactly. yeah. very typical. But that, that wasn't the way it played to me. I mean, I, got, yeah. I under, understand their point, yeah. but that wasn't, the, that wasn't what I took out of it as a little white kid watching TV. And me neither. And me neither. I, I recognize the show as, as being uh, very, very funny. It was a very funny show. It remains funny to this day. And, and I'm one of the few people out there, I guess, who, who will admit that the show was just a fantastic show, funny as the Dickens. And I had the opportunity to to know a lot of these guys. I, uh, Spencer Williams, who played Andy on Amos and Andy, who we used to go to the same barbershop in Los Angeles. I had a chance to be on stage with uh, Mantan Moreland when he was still working, a very, very funny uh, wow. comedian. Uh, people envy, envy me for this, but I, I used to hang out backstage at the Jack Benny program. So, uh, you know, of course I envy you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. L- looking back on it, you know, and of course, uh, one of my favorite actors, of course, is Eddie Anderson, who, you know, was Rochester. Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. You know? So, you know, uh, a great, great character. So when people say that these characters demean black people, no, they're just funny characters. They're just interesting characters. The same way you have a, a bunch of white actors or Asian actors who are funny characters. You know, there's nothing demeaning about, you know, the characters on the show, you know. So, you know, we, we could argue about this uh, all day long, but uh, 
and sometimes I do, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I love, I love those shows. And, um, I, again, you know, and they're very special because of, for instance, Johnny Lee and, uh, uh, who, who was the guy who played Br'er Bear? You know, we did, we did Song of the South at Disney and, and another, uh, talented black actor, Johnny Lee played Br'er Rabbit and, uh, James Basket did voices. And of course, uh, Nick Stewart. Nick Stewart did, did Br'er Bear. And Nick Stewart uh, was on the Amos and Andy show too. I believe he was. Yeah. I believe he was on, on Amos and Andy. So all of these, all of these actors were great comedic actors and, and were, and, and they were just great. And, and, and of course we realized kind of like what was going on in the white community that they saw these actors as, you know, foolish or, you know, comic or whatever. But we also recognized these were black actors who were getting a paycheck. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you're a working actor, a paycheck's a paycheck. And I don't have any complaint if you have to play a fool in order to, you know, get that check every week, go ahead and do it. You're not offending me. Right. <laughs> Wasn't the famous quote, I'd rather play a maid than be one? There you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel, yeah. Rather play a maid than be one. And boy, oh boy. Uh, it's kind of funny. We were watching a, a, a movie today with uh, James Stewart and uh, Jack Carson, and Hattie McDaniel was was playing the maid in, in this movie that my wife had on this morning. And uh, yeah. she played a lot of maids. She did. She did. <laughs> One of my favorite roles uh, Hattie, Hattie McDaniel did was uh, Walt Disney's Song of the South, where she played the uh, you know the cook and and the big house. And uh, singing that wonderful song, uh, you know, sooner or later you're going to be coming along. I love that song. Well, it, as, it, you know, as you know, this is a difficult picture to see these days. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's because Disney doesn't want you to see it. So. That's right. But although overseas, they have never stopped selling it. It's you, that's can buy, right. you can get a DVD from overseas. You can, you know, whatever. You, it was oh. never considered problematic until, except here. Yeah, yeah. I have argued with Disney executives, with Disney attorneys about the song of the south and uh, i called them on it you know i said you guys you know i don't i don't buy your arguments you know you're just you're just uh you know you're just wimping out and you do want them you do want the money so don't act like you don't so but, but you know when when uh, when warner brothers put out a lot of their uh you know 40s cartoons yeah. which have many stereotypes of various ethnicities in them. They got Whoopi Goldberg to do an opening that says, you know, it was like a disclaimer. It was like, look, right. this is the way these things were. It's it's not the way we put think it We're putting yeah. it in context, and that way you yeah. can still see it and yeah. talk about it right. and, and know about it. Exactly. But the idea of just erasing everything, yeah. uh, it's like, well, then it's just like it never happened, which yeah. is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, you can't erase history. You know, you, you can if you try. Yeah, you can. Keep people from seeing. Yeah, yeah. But boy, well, yeah. Yeah, and also I think it's, it's essential to. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I saw Song of the South as a kid. Uh, I, I don't, you know, and, and I'm hardly the arbiter. But you know, we, even if it was this this awful, awful racist screed, it seems to me that um, it also is representative of its time. Yeah. And how we're going to possibly understand who we are today without understanding who we used to be yeah i i, I don't know and well that's yeah, that, one thing that doesn't make any sense and 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 the <laughs> at the time at the time you know they they they, they didn't take this lightly uh, this movie it was it was it was quite controversial even while it was being made yeah. and they, and what yeah. was going around asking people what do i what do we think about this and you know is the community going to accept it and 
And I mean, they were very serious about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but which is one of the reasons that it, it always amazed me that that this the, the the company was so dead set on anybody not seeing the movie. And yeah. yet, when they Flash Mountain, which wasn't that long ago, yeah. they decided to merchandise those characters. That's <laughs> right. Characters you can't see anywhere else. Except Did they really? Yeah. 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 You take that ride. It's all Song of the South. It's all the, the voices and the songs and everything, as if as if it was as beloved a movie as Cinderella. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Wow, I did not know that. The Walt Disney Company would, would probably not like to, to hear me say this, but, you know, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> that, what are they going to do? Yeah, 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 what, what are they going to do? They've outlasted them. Yeah. Anyway, back in the 1950s or 60s, I this was back when we had 16 millimeter prints of uh, Disney feature films mm -hmm. that you could actually take home and watch over the weekend. Well, I kind of broke the rules because I wanted to try a very special experiment. I took a 16 millimeter print of Walt Disney's Song of the South and I showed it to an all black audience in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. They absolutely love the film. <laughs> huh. So where, where did you show it? It was at a church. I mean, where else can you get black people together but at a black, <laughs> at a black church? Showed it at a black church, and the audience overwhelmingly loved the movie. Asked for a second screening. That's oh, how wow. they liked it. Wow. I told that I told that to the Disney executives, and they they weren't buying it. It's just one church. Yeah, it's just one <laughs> church. Yeah, yeah, that's not definitive. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. You know, like I said. So I said, it's 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 not my problem. It's yeah. your problem. That's right. Yeah, I see. Yeah, in the '90s, there was definitely there was a uh, there was a laser disc. I guess that was the last time it got released here. Yeah. The, well, I think there was a laser disc that was released in Japan. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. and then wow. it was copied many times and as bootlegs. If you go to yeah, that's right. Go to Comic Con or anything like that, you always see Song of the South as being sold, and it's almost always a a bootleg from yeah. Europe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a it's yeah. not a, it's not an unknown movie. It's just it, it's just it's it's not the easiest movie to see. Because yeah. you can't go to Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And not that we condone this sort of behavior, but if one is adept with uh, elements of the internet mm. uh, that one shouldn't be going on, you can find pretty good quality versions of it. So, I am told. So I'm told. told. So I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now, uh, now, that our, now that our Dooley Wilson comment has <laughs> ballooned into an entire. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? Discussion of, of, of racial uh, yeah, equality in America. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's your next picture? What's next? Surprisingly, it's a, a, a genre I truly love, and that is the Hollywood musical. So ah. it's got to be singing in the rain. Of course it does. Of course. <laughs> Gene Kelly. How many people come on this uh, on this podcast and tell us that they have, um, not only that that's one of the movies that they, that they list, but that they have shown it uh, to their kids? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We uh, we usually have yes. Blake Masters, a great TV showrunner, was just talking a couple of weeks ago. He during the pandemic quarantine, yeah, had with a little anxiety the way you do with kids. Yeah. You know, I think they're eight, eight and ten, I believe his daughters are. He showed them Singing in the Rain, and they just lost their minds. Yeah. they absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and of course, I loved all of the the uh, the old Hollywood musicals, and uh, w one of my greatest joys was meeting Marge Champion 
Uh, Marge is very special. She was not only, a, you know, she was a great dancer with her husband, uh, Gower, Marge and Gower Champion, and, and all those marvelous MGM musicals back, back then. But she also modeled for us at Disney. You know, she was the model for Snow White. She was a model for the oh, Blue Fairy wow. in Pinocchio. Wow. So, so, Did not know that. so little Margie Belcher, as she was known then, <laughs> was, was, uh, little Margie was, was, she's very much a Disney person. And, and of course, she is a Disney legend today. So the, so, Blue, Fa the Blue Fairy was a Belcher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Joe, she was a champion Belcher. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the model sheet, she, she looks exactly like 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 Marge, you know. Uh -huh. yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, that's, that, funny. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Great, great yeah. film. What can you say? Yeah. I mean, it, it is the the pinnacle of of all the great MGM musicals, you know. And I, I loved all of all of those guys. The musical directors: Johnny Crean, Lenny Hayton. Uh, 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 I'm I'm forgetting uh, Andre Previn. Uh, the great music, the, just the, the gorgeous sets, you know, everything about those musicals were just, they just sparkled, you know. There was nothing like going to the movies and watching an MGM musical in Technicolor. It was just, it was glorious. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was glorious. You know, you left the theater singing and dancing. You know, <laughs> I wonder how many boys and girls decided to to go, you know, to Broadway or, you know, because they they saw an MGM musical and they just had to be a part of that magical world. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, yeah. for sure. Oh, it's such a good movie. Yeah. Um, again, I'll add because it's they, they've all been interesting answers. Where do you know where you were when you uh, saw it the first time? Uh this probably. Probably in my hometown of Santa Barbara. And that's because uh, even when I was working at Disney and I was living in the Southland, I would go back to my hometown of Santa Barbara on weekends. And usually on the weekend, I would go to a movie. It was almost guaranteed every weekend I would go see the latest film that had just come out. Did so you I, go to that, that, that big fancy theater? What's the name of it? The more they oh, have the. Oh, the Arlington. Yeah, that's a great theater. It is a fantastic theater. Yeah, yeah. The Fox, at the time when I was a kid, it was known as the Fox Arlington Theater. And just a gorgeous, a gorgeous old theater. Great movie house. And uh, yeah, that's probably where I saw, you know, singing mm -hmm. at that very, that very theater. Oh, yeah. Cool. What's, uh, what's next? We're going to go really dark from the brilliance of an MGM musical all the way to Stanley Kubrick paths of glory oh wow Man. i oh, no more happy endings talk about, <laughs> talk about a, back in flight sweet spot talk about a war movie you know yeah we're 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 the good guys you know at the end of the film get get you know get shot you know and and they're and they're just being made an example of because somebody's got to pay the price for this screw up so it's decided that these men are cowards and, and those, so we should take them out and shoot them. You know, the, the glories of war, you know, thanks, yeah. thanks a lot, you know, so Paths of Glory. Uh, and, and it was the first film I had seen by this new director that I had kind of heard about, but I didn't really know much about Stanley. And I hadn't seen his early films. I mean, the first films that he had done. So when I went to the theater, I was seeing Stanley Kubrick for the first time. 
And boy, what an impression he made on me. I said, this guy, I don't know who he is, but he is an awesome filmmaker. Well, I, I feel like, I think we've talked about this once or twice, um, Joe, the, the, the problem with so many war films is that no matter what your intent going into making them, yeah. you, you can't help but glamorize it. Even in the glamour of futility and lost causes, they always seem to, almost always seem to work as recruitment films in some <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. But Paths, not Paths of Glory, <laughs> yeah, Paths of Glory to me is one of those movies where just like, I don't know how you could possibly walk out of that movie and go, I'm going to go sign up right now. Yeah. It just doesn't. It, it just crushes that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty grim film when de dealing with warfare. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, grim. you know, the, 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 those um, that mud and the uh, ditches and the, oh, uh, yeah, it, it's and, and interestingly, you know, it was 1917, which came out a couple of years ago, is a similar yeah. right. uh, setting uh, for a movie, and it's uh, it's it's a gimmick thing where they try to make you think it's all being done in one shot, which I think yeah. is, personally I think is self defeating, but anyway. Uh, but it was fine, yeah. but uh, but it wasn't. Uh, there was no way that it could match the impact. I don't think of uh, of Pass of Glory. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is gritty, you know, to say the least. Yeah, boy, boy, what a what a film. Yeah. And then to follow that with a film that almost, which is a surprise even for me. But but when I saw this film, I, I went to the theater with a friend of mine with with almost zero expectation because it was another another war film. And I didn't want to see a war film, right? But boy, did it affect us! Bridge over the River Kwai. Mm. Oh, David Lean. God, yeah, yeah. madness. Yes, madness. Madness, exactly, exactly. And yet, and yet, you you understood these two warriors, one Japanese, one British, opposites. You know, war with each other. Yeah. And and here they're thrown into this madness, and, yeah. and and they have to do their job, and they are such good soldiers. So who's the bad guy in this film? Who's the bad guy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Alec Guinness's face. Yeah, when he, yeah. The revelation yeah. at the end. And, and, uh, well, and his and his need to do the bridge. I mean, it's like yeah. in his in his circumstance. This is it, it, this is this is all his life has led to. This yeah. is it. This is what yeah. I have to do. And then yeah. the look on his face when he realizes what he's done. What have I done? Uh, yeah. It's um it's great. Yeah. And, and then and Holden. And then you realize that that when it comes to war, who's the bad guy? You're like, we're the bad guys. It's us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's us. You know. So there you go. I mean, what a film, but uh, you know, like Yeah, that's that's another film that kind of confounds the um the, the usual war movie glamorization because that again that ending is so devastating and so powerful yeah it's, um, and, and it does not make it and, oh, sorry, and having been a soldier you know having been in the military and and kind of like taking part in in a lot of that sort of nonsense and yet i understand the the uh an officer's commitment i understand uh you know doing your duty you know i i, I get that and i know why a man becomes a soldier. And I, I remember uh, meeting uh, one of our artists uh, at Disney. His father is actually a general. Good Lord, I'd never met a general in my life. But but his dad is a general. And I thought, wow, you know, what's it take to be a general? So, you know, I have respect for the military. I, I can't help but have respect for them. 
And yet I realize I'm torn between this, you know, thing of, of, of serving and, and doing what's right and doing what's necessary. And, and yet kind of like hating you're a part of the whole thing. You know, I, I, I always had, and I, I love to tell people that when I was a soldier and when I, when I was in Korea, I actually felt that I was part of a big movie and that none of this was real. <laughs> we were just making a movie. And I tell people the only thing that, that made me realize this wasn't the movie is that in a movie, the Foley is better. <laughs> well, you're slightly less likely to get shot. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the <laughs> movies sound a lot, like a lot better than a real war. Real wars don't sound that good. I, I, I found that an odd thing to be to to take away from being under fire, but I I, I remember hearing artillery and, and small arms fire, and thinking that sounded a lot better in war movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so wow. a crazy thing to take away from combat is thinking that that movie sounds so much better than real war. So. But that's that's interesting that that because um, that's something you know I have happily not been in real combat. No, you don't. You don't. Want to, you don't want to be a part of it. No. It's, I, yeah, but but there have been movies, especially like in the last. I remember um, there's a movie called Under Fire, uh, set in Nicaragua, uh, and, and um, I've seen a couple other films where they did things with sound um, in gunfights that I had not heard before. That when you heard, you immediately went, "Oh, this is vastly more realistic." Yeah. Uh, just simple things like, you know, a character hears a ch chunk next to their head and then you hear a shot in a distance because it's so far away that you would you would hear the bullet hit the wall behind you before you'd hear the shot. Right. You know, that thing. Um, but yeah, I'm always fascinated by those tiny little details that that movies always get wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, you know, it's a movie and movies are, are, are not really meant to be real. Right. It's subjective. Yeah, it, it's yeah. when I remember hearing the 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 sound design in films like Star Wars and and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and and I, I thought, gee, the sound is really great. And now you know that real sound doesn't sound like that, right? But, but it's a movie, and it's yeah. it, it's, right. it's another world altogether, right? And yeah, no, I I have friends who are outraged when you know if you're watching Star Wars and you, I mean, just the fact that there's sound yeah. in space yeah. drives them crazy. You're like, hey, it's it's subjective. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> come on, guys. It's this, dramatic. This is not it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, uh, and, and, of course, naturally, that brings us to our final film, which, surprise, huh? surprise, Star Wars. Nope, there we go. <laughs> there we go. George Lucas. Which Star Wars? Surely, yeah, surely you remember where you were when you saw that. Uh, believe it or not, I was at work and I had heard about this goofy science fiction type film being shown at the Chinese theater in Hollywood. And I thought, okay, after work, I'll get in my car and drive down to Hollywood. This was back in the days when you could actually find a parking space in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long ago it was. I found a parking space on the street, parked my wow. car. And I headed toward the Chinese theater, and there was a line around the block. And I thought, what the heck? This was a Wednesday night, middle of the week, and a line around the block? What, what's going on here? <laughs> and so I thought, well, I've spent the trouble to come down here. I might as well get in this stupid line. 
to see this stupid movie. And when I saw it, changed my life. Star Wars. <laughs> Who knew? What a, what a great way to see anything, though, just going in with either no expectations nope. or thinking, ah, this is going to be dopey. Well, that's <laughs> but, but the, 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 the rest of Hollywood was just as shocked that yeah. there was a line, yeah. line around the block uh, for that yeah. movie that, that nobody saw coming. Nobody saw uh, it. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't think much of it at the studio, and uh, they just figured, oh, it's just another one of those science fiction pictures, and we'll just put it yeah. out and play for a week. And and uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. And we all knew, all the, all, but all the fans, and I was one, uh, yeah. you know, who read the Cine Fantastique magazines and all that sort of, we, yeah. we knew there was something sure. going on. And we also knew who George Lucas was because we'd yeah. seen America. That's right. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it probably really uh, changed motion pictures you know, that, that summer, 1977. Uh, yeah. Boy, oh boy, what what an impact that film had! Yep, and still have, and still has. Yeah, even even after all yeah. this, all these years. And I, I gotta say, I, I'm uh, I'm a uh, you know bold bold statement here. I'm a much bigger fan of the original version of Star Wars than the me too. Uh, oh, we all we all are. Yeah, Gre- yeah. No, I'm, Greedo I'm shoots kidding. first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's so funny. I showed a while ago. I had a friend who's got uh, kids. They're nine and eleven, I think, and they had never seen Star Wars. And I uh, showed them the Blu-ray of you know the, the current version that's out there. Yeah. I've got a great projector and a big screen, and and they fell asleep. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I felt awful. And then again, I'm I, I'm copying all sorts of illegal behavior here. I I got a hold of the. I guess there's a copy where a couple guys got a 35 millimeter version of the original film yeah. and restored it and. Again, if you know all the places to go to, and I would never endorse this, you can find a Blu-ray quality of the original Star Wars yeah, film. Yeah. And um, watched that again about a year ago. And I was knocked out by how much I loved it. Yeah. I had just forgotten, you know, the the special edition had just sort of sucked all the life out of it for me yeah, or something. Yeah. But you forget what an amazing film that was. And uh, to me, I don't know why. The thing I'm always fascinated the, the the first time you see Luke's car pull up in a close up, and you see that the 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 vents on the front of it are are dirty and dinged and covered with filth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never seen that before. Yeah, it was right. like it, it looked like a car. People yeah. never the, the science fiction movies always had to be clean. They always had to be yeah. Uh, everything yeah. was thick and span. It was all brand new. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the idea of a used future was yeah. like just yeah. so so captivating for people what a radical notion <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, for it's very... me as a as a movie fan to stand outside of the chinese theater uh, back in 1977 and watch as a screening ended and the audience comes pouring out of the theater yeah. the look on their faces something i'll never forget grown-ups teenagers children Everybody came out with something that I hadn't seen in decades. It came out with this look of, wow, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't, you hadn't seen that in films in years. Yeah. yeah. Audiences were just blown away. And they went back. And they more went than once. Again yep. and again and again. And I said, I made the mistake of going three times and I realized that the third time I shouldn't have gone. <laughs> but it was all within a week. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I, yeah, we couldn't get in. My dad took me to see it. I remember the first time we couldn't get in. That's uh, I ended up seeing Sorcerer, William Friedkin's oh, film. Oh, yeah. That's right. An absolute masterpiece, but got destroyed by Star Wars. Yeah. No one went to see anything except Star Wars. That's very true. I remember that. That's, that's yeah. 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 Wow. Well, Floyd, thank you so much, Rad. This is uh, what a delightful It's journey. a real pleasure. Well, yeah. Hey, it's a pleasure for me as, as a kid who who had his dreams come true. I mean, good grief to, to dream of Hollywood and making movies. And, you know, it's like, I, I look at my life and I can't imagine all this has happened to me, you know, that I was able to, to come to this town to, I remember when I first walked onto a soundstage, uh, and I think this was at the Walt Disney studio. I walked on the stage too. And and just there's something about walking onto that stage, and I said, "This is where I belong. Uh, this is where they make magic, and I want to come here and I want to make magic too." You must have wished upon a star. I did indeed. <laughs> I did indeed. And and I, and I tell people the the people that I've had the pleasure of working with over the years. The, the celebrities and the stars and the geniuses that, I, that I've met and worked with, you know, everyone from Tom Hanks to Helen Mirren to just so many people who are just so awesome. And, and you're working with these people. And, 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 and what could be better? You know, what could be better than that? That's, that's pretty awesome. So I'm a very lucky kid who grew up loving movies in Santa Barbara, traveled 90 miles down the coast to Hollywood, where I spent the rest of my life making magic and uh, some of that magic back there on these wacky drawings on my board. Yes, Floyd has some wonderful drawings behind him that you can't see if you're listening to us. But, uh, <laughs> well, we, were, we were lucky to have you on our, on our podcast yeah. and in our cultural life. It's been, it's yeah. been my pleasure, Joe. I, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I, I, it's been great being able to share this love I have of movies uh, with, with you. So thanks, Lloyd. Thank you very well, thank, thank you very much for inviting me. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.